This is the Confident Collective Podcast with your hosts, Christina Zias and Rayanne Langis, two plus-size models and body activists here to get real and candid about living your most confident life. Get ready for powerful conversations that will leave you laughing, motivated, and inspired. Well, I'm like, well, I need to think of something else to say besides welcome back to the Confident Collective Podcast, but that's what we say. Welcome. We're glad you're here. I'm Rayanne. I'm Christina. And honestly, I was just telling Rayanne before, I was like, dude, aren't you kind of sad? Like summer's almost over. And she was like, girl, it's June. Check yourself. Um, and I'm honestly really happy that you just said that. Might. I feel like July and August are still like full months of summer. And it's technically not even summer yet. I think summer starts like June 21st or 22nd. Well, when this comes out, it'll be summer. We'll be full summer. Yeah, but I, honestly, I've noticed that about myself a little bit lately is that like I almost like need to become more present because I do feel like sometimes I'm like living too much in the future. Like what's next? What's next? Yeah, what's, what's next? next? And like that's not a good attitude to have and it's not a good perspective because like I feel like I'm not but I will say, for things. I feel like you do really live in the moment. Like whenever we're doing something, you're just so appreciative. You're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like. I do feel like that. Okay. Thank you. Maybe I'm just being hard on myself I think today. You're being hard on yourself today. Cause I don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I wish I could have just seen what just My happened. microphone just freaking zapped up into the air. Um, oh my gosh. Well, we're going to keep today's intro short because this episode is so, uh, we are so excited for you to listen to this episode. We have on Liz Moody from the podcast today, and she is a health and wellness. I don't even want to say blogger because she does so much more than that. She's an author and she's all about making sure that living uh, a healthy lifestyle and wellness um, is going to enhance your life and not limit it, which I think so many of us get stuck in, stuck in that mindset. Um, so she's all about living a balanced life and she believes in the power of meditation, but also the power of like having a bottle of wine with your girlfriends on a rooftop on a summer evening. Um, you know, she's the author of two cookbooks. She's an editor, a healthy recipe developer, and she also has a wildly popular podcast called Healthier Together, which we are also on her podcast. So after you listen to this episode, you can pop on over to hers and hear Liz interview us. Um, so we're excited to just have her on today. We kind of talk a lot about how our mindset is towards health and wellness and living like a big, beautiful life. And honestly, after talking to Liz, I just felt like buzzed up on life. Like she is contagious. Yeah. She has such an amazing, like quest and zest for life that honestly, I just felt like a little bit lighter, honestly, after yeah. our interview, like she almost feels like so freeing and the way she talks about health and wellness is so liberating and so like non-intimidating, which I think is really important because a lot of times just feeling like you have to eat healthier, like sounds scary and it sounds hard and she breaks down everything and makes it so simple. Um, and she's just so amazing. And I hope you guys love this interview. Yeah, so we're not going to take too much time. We're just going to jump right into it and welcome Liz to the podcast. All right, we are so excited to chat with you. But first off, we want to know, was there a certain catalyst in your life that spurred your passion for health and wellness? Oh, wow. We're getting right into it. Yeah, we want to get right into it. Mine... Yeah, it's kind of like a depressing story, though. So are you guys like down to like start off heavy? I, 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 think we're go- I think we're going for it. We're going for it. We okay. want to be raw and real. Because I think that's important yeah. to like set up what you do now. Like uh, your entire life is dedicated to this. Um, for sure. And I'm not like a heavy person now. So I, I, this is, it, it'll be a, a momentary heaviness story. So basically, um, I've always I've been a writer since I was 15 or 16, I pitched like a newspaper column and I was a professional writer like ever since. Um, and then I moved to England in my mid twenties cause my husband got into graduate school there. And I have always been like a little bit of an anxious person. Like I would, you know, I, I don't know if you remember when there was like swine flu and I was like, nobody else was worried about swine flu. And I was like, <laughs> guys, we're all going to die of swine flu. Like I'm a hundred percent positive. So I'm not saying that I'm like a, a pandemic 
predictor, but you know, now, now I feel more justified, certainly in my reaction to that. I like didn't leave my apartment for a while, but I've always been like a little bit weird, uh, but mostly went about my life fine, whatever. But then we moved to England and he was at graduate school from like seven in the morning till midnight. I was working as a writer by myself. So I didn't like go into an office. I didn't have any real way of making friends or making community in England, which is already sort of a difficult place to make new friends because everybody lives on an island that like is within two hours of every single person they've known in their entire life. They tend to have very tight friend groups. So I just became like more and more and more isolated um, and ended up uh, being completely agoraphobic. I had this like huge panic attack in Finland where I went to the hospital. I thought I was dying. Um, flew home the next day. The, the Finnish nurse like gave me a paper bag to breathe into. And I was like, no, no, I need you to like do a heart scan. I'm dying. And she's like, no, no, just breathe into this paper bag. Oh you God. dumb, <laughs> you dumb girl. Um, so I was just like sitting there breathing in the paper bag. Um, so I, yeah, so I had this huge panic attack and it just literally like devolved from there to the point where I would have panic attacks whenever I went to the grocery store, particularly like waiting in line at the grocery store was really triggering. Being on the tube was really triggering anywhere where I felt trapped and I couldn't immediately exit the situation. So I stopped leaving my house and then I pretty much stopped leaving my bed for a while. I'd say like a few months where I just kind of like laid there in bed watching friends on my computer. Um, and, but because I was already a journalist at that point, I knew that there had to be like ways to feel better. So I started emailing who I considered good sources. So I emailed like the head of neurology at Stanford. And I was like, what's happening in my brain and how do I fix it? And I like it, you know, emailed chefs and doctors and kind of started to like cobble together this plan for me to feel better. And I used that to start cooking for myself and start like transforming different elements of my lifestyle. And slowly with that and with a lot of other things, I kind of reconstructed my life. I got my life back, but that that really transformed how I approached eating and moving and living and all of that. So that's how I got into wellness. Wow, that's so. Interesting. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> your guys' faces. You're just well, <laughs> well, no, no. It's really interesting, and I mean, we appreciate your honesty and vulnerability about that because, um, I mean, you're on such a tri different track and journey now, and I feel like you're living yeah. this amazing nomadic lifestyle, and you're teaching all of us about health and wellness. Um, so it's really inspiring to like kind of hear what started that and where you came from. Um, do you ever feel yourself like regressing a little bit, or like right now with like the pandemic, were you starting to be like, did that anxiety kind of come back at all? The pandemic was really hard, particularly we were in New York in like this 500 square foot apartment for the first five months of it. And that was the time where nobody knew how you got COVID or like literally just like leaving your house felt really dangerous. And it was really interesting having come from this place of um, feeling like leaving my house is dangerous, but having it not be dangerous to having it actually be dangerous. And I was actually really worried about regressing during that time. Um, but I didn't, I think I really put in place a lot of tools and relationships and structures that make me feel pretty confident in where I'm at. I was also really nervous when I left. I was the food director at Mind Body Green, which is like a wellness magazine. Um, and that job was critical, I would say, in me getting over that final hump. Like I put all these pieces in place. I was leaving my house, blah, blah, blah. But I would say I didn't feel mostly anxiety free until I started working full time and having that structure and that outward place to channel all of my energy and constantly being surrounded by people was that final hump that made me feel like I was just really secure in my mental health. And when I left that job, uh, I was I was really nervous that I'd go backwards. I left to go on book tour um, and I was feeling just like really ungrounded and Zach and I had a lot of long conversations. My husband, and I would like, I was like, I don't know, like, is this the worst thing I could ever do? Um, but that ended up being fine too. I think, I think that developing resilience through health and wellness is one of the best things you can do for yourself. I think a lot of times there can be an instinct to be like, I need my green smoothie every morning to feel good. If I don't meditate, this will happen. And then you're sort of using it as crutches. And I think the more you can use all those things to build your internal resilience so that 
no matter what happens, if you're stuck on a desert island, um, which is a big thing of mine, I, I think about being stuck on a desert island, like more than most, like, I'm always like, I don't want to get glasses because what if I get stuck on a desert island and I lose my glasses or like, I don't want to get <laughs> breast implants anyway, but the fact that you have to get them changed every 10 years or something, I'm like, well, what happens on the desert island if you can't get your breast implants changed and then they're just sitting there? It's something that like occurs to me, uh, often. And, um, and I feel like I'd be cool on the desert island now. I, I can like open a coconut and I um I wouldn't have my green smoothies. I wouldn't have my weighted blanket or any of these things I like. But now those are nice to haves, not must haves. The must haves are like inside of me. So when you were in this space where you were like super anxious and you were reaching out to your experts being like, oh, what is going on here? Help me. How, how did that, those changes, like, did you change drastically change your diet? Did you change your, like, what, what were those kind of immediate changes that you started to make? Yeah. So I drastically changed my, my diet. I upped my intake of vegetables and healthy fats significantly. Healthy fats are like one of the best things you can do for your brain. So thus for your mental health. Um, also I started eating more like whole grains, which are a precursor to serotonin. So they like help release serotonin and can actually make you feel happier, uh, which is great. It's also one of the reasons I interviewed a hormone expert for my podcast, and she recommends eating them before your period as a way to help um, combat PMS, because uh, you're releasing that serotonin, which is excellent. Anyway, I'm on my period now. So I'm like, anyway, to combat cramps or PMS, I'm <laughs> very, very into. Um, so I did that. And that already made a really big difference. I started moving my body. I wasn't, that was hard for me at first, because a lot of my anxiety dealt with blood sugar. At one point, I was like measuring my blood sugar, like 30 or 40 times a day, like pricking my finger at home, um, which was related further back to during my like drug and party days. I had a seizure on a beach while I was anorexic in uh, Brazil. And it was the only answer I got for that. I basically like woke up in a burger shop um, and they took me to this crappy hospital. And the doctor was like, Oh, your blood sugar was really low. That's why you had a seizure. And that was, and he gave me a pack of potato chips and like sent me on my way. Um, and there were so many reasons that I could have had that seizure. Like one, I literally weighed nothing. Um, I hadn't eaten anything in a really long time. And I also was smoking weed that I bought from a really not good source that like could have been laced with something. And it's just so many reasons, but I internalized like, Oh, this was about your blood sugar. And so then I became obsessed with monitoring and tracking my blood sugar when I, uh, had that sort of anxiety issue. So working out was, I would always like eat a huge meal before I worked out because I was so nervous about my blood sugar, like crashing or something like that. So that was like a very, I started doing like very gentle yoga, walking and stuff like that. But every time I moved my body, I felt a little bit more like in control of, but also freer from my body at the same time, which was really helpful. Um, meditation. I know it's like everybody says meditation, uh, but it, it does make a difference. And for me, meditation was really helpful because in the moments where I literally couldn't leave my bed and I didn't want to like move my body or do anything like that, I could meditate. Like you can meditate in your pretty much worse off state. You can do like a guided meditation where you pop something on. So that was incredibly useful to me. And then, um, starting to, to do the stuff that scared me and, and not having it scare me, you know, like not having going to, I remember the, the day I realized I had a really big issue is Zach had invited me to a pub to like watch rugby with his friends. And I realized that that was literally too scary for me to do. And I couldn't go. And that was this huge wake up call for me. Cause I was like, I can't, I can't imagine not, I, I was always a person. I like traveled the world by myself. I like went out to nightclubs at 2am with strangers I met on the subway. And like the fact that I couldn't go to a pub and watch rugby was mind blowing to me. Um, and couldn't, when I re Zach invited me to the pub to watch rugby with his friends and I was actually too anxious to go to the pub to watch rugby. And this was this huge wake up call for me because I was always like down to do, I it's, it's a big part of my personality that I, that I love about myself is that I'm down to do anything. I'm down to have adventures. I'm really interested in kind of squeezing the juice out of every single moment of life. And then the fact that I couldn't go to, um, you know, two tube stops over to watch a rugby game was just like, uh, so I think for me, a huge part of it was when I started doing those things again, that scared me and the things that I was afraid of happening 
didn't happen. Like I didn't have another seizure. That was a really big fear of mine for a long time. Um, I didn't have a panic attack and, uh, everything was fine and I was having fun. And so I think it's, it's really about like doing for me, it was really about slowly doing the things that were scary and realizing that they were safe and that my head was, and honestly, like to the point of wanting to live this big, beautiful life, that was the choice at one point. I was kind of like, I, I can live in fear and do the stuff anyway. Like if I'm going to be afraid, I'd rather be afraid dancing barefoot at a music festival than be afraid curled up in a ball in my bed because this is my life and I want to live it. Right. Oh, I love that. I think so many people let the fear of the unknown or the things that we create our head stop us from doing what we want to do. Um, but that's so interesting. So did you, when you changed your diet and you had, and you changed those things, you started incorporating movement, was this like a slow, a a slow thing over time? Or did you immediately see like, Oh my gosh, I'm eating more vegetables. Like my anxiety is lower. Like, what was that like for you? No, it was very slow. I was also going to therapy. My therapist was this like gentle gardener man. Um, it was the only time I would leave the house for the week was to take the tube and go to therapy. And then we'd spend like the first 20 minutes, um, decompressing from the fact that I'd like taken the tube to therapy. Um, and, but I was really proud of myself for doing it. Um, and that was really important for me too, but no, it took a really long time. And I feel like that's really important to talk about because people expect these wellness journeys to happen overnight and they almost never do. Um, and then you can get disappointed. You can get discouraged. You can get angry at yourself. And that it's just not the way it is. I would say it took, I, I was, in a really, really like rock bottom, bad place for like four to six months. And then I was climbing out of that place for a year to get functional again. And then probably another year after that to get feeling good again. So we're talking about two to three years full stop. And, um, yeah, I, it's, it's not quick. It's not easy. It's very worth it, but I think you have to be patient with yourself if you're going through any sort of wellness or health journey. I think that's really similar to a lot to a question that we get a lot. People are like, oh, how are you so confident? And we're like, no, confidence is a journey and it happens over time and you need to put the work in. And um, do you remember that moment you were saying where you start to feel good about yourself? Like, do you remember a specific day where you're like, wait a minute, I'm not scared to take the tube anymore. Like I'm starting to feel good. Like, do you have a specific memory and can you share that? I think I had a, like, it was, it was probably New York. So we moved back from London to, we actually, we had a brief stop where we lived with Zach's parents in Berkeley for like a year. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we moved back to New York, uh, and New York is just a place where adventure finds you if you want to have it. And I think it was probably a time I, I made a bunch of really good girlfriends at my job. And I think it was probably just a time where we were like all out on the, ferry together or at an event together or something. It's just those moments where you, you look around and you realize how big and beautiful life is. I've had those since, uh, the world has started opening up again, even now, like where I, I kind of forgot, I, I, you were so resilient as humans. And that's one of the best things about us, but it's also one of the worst things because in those moments where I was laying in bed, I was literally, I literally had the thought where I was like, this isn't so bad. I could live in bed forever. And I think I had the same thing during the pandemic where I was like, yeah, I don't see people anymore. And, um, that's fine. Like I'll be okay. You know? And it's, it's a beautiful thing that we can adjust to all these situations. Like people adjusted it to living through the Holocaust and they, and they lived their life during that time. But it's also, you forget that life cannot be that way, that life can be like, amazing and satisfying and exciting in a way that you didn't, that you didn't even think possible. And so I think it's been so many moments of that for me of just being like, Oh my God, I can't believe I can. Um, like last, last weekend I met a guy at the hot springs, Zach and I were at the hot springs. It's like a very social thing here. Um, you can like drink and there's music and stuff. And he was there with his parents and he was like, oh, there's a big like rafting festival tomorrow. Do you guys want to go rafting? 
and rafting scares the shit out of me. I think it's insane. I think it's just like one of those things where I'm like, we have so many ways we could die normally. Why are we like adding to that list? Um, that's how I feel about skiing too. I'm like, you want to do what with your body? Um, but I was like, no, I want to be the kind of person. He invited us to go rafting with him and his parents. He was like a rafting guide. Uh, and he was, I was like, I want to be the kind of person who says yes to somebody who invites me to go rafting on a Friday night. And it was like in the raft with them on Saturday. And so we went and it was really scary, uh, but it was also extraordinary. Like I think living up to who you want to be is also a really special feeling, like being like, I want to be this kind of person and then being that kind of person. And when we were in the raft and floating down the river, not during the rapids, during the rapids part, I was like, ah! I wasn't like all of a sudden like an adventure bunny, but, um, but during the rest of it, I was like, this is amazing. And I was really uh, proud of myself for, so I have those moments all the time to answer your question. I have them regularly and I do not want to stop having them because I think they are really important to me living my best life. I love that. That's so beautiful. And I just love hearing you talk about life. And I feel like that kind of ties into like your, your mission and your goal, but, and, and you're different than many wellness bloggers I've seen. Um, but can you kind of tell us uh, about your approach to health and wellness? Yeah. Um, it's better than everybody else's. Um, <laughs> I love that you're like, tell us how you're different. No, um, I think there's a lot of really uh, wonderful people in the wellness space. There's also a lot of really damaging people in the wellness space. What I try to be is a person who inspires people to use wellness as a tool to live their healthiest, happiest life. So I think a lot of times people can feel like wellness or health is going to limit them. They're going to be not going out and having fun dinners with their friends. They're going to be thinking about what they're eating all the time. They're going to be like, oh, like I have to find the time to do this, this and this. And I have to read all these ingredient labels or whatever. And I think wellness is a, it's a tool. It's a means to an end. And that end is your most beautiful, exciting life. So the second that you feel like wellness is limiting you in any way, it's actually not wellness, like by, nef by definition, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So to that end, I, I really like to, um, help people along that journey in whatever way they can. I like to teach people that healthy food can feel, make you feel really, really good, but also taste crave worthy and amazing. And you should be as excited to talk about like your healthy dinner as like what somebody would consider a cheat dinner. Like I don't believe in cheat dinners. I believe that every food you eat should be satisfying you on some level and you should be enjoying the shit out of it. I feel the same about movement. I feel the same about meditation. Like when I'm meditating, it's not like a chore for me. It's like whoa, I can't believe my brain is capable of feeling like this. It's, it feels like I'm wringing out the sponge of my brain. And like, it's like, ah, oh, you know, I think all of these things should feel really good and delicious and be just this really contributive part of us living our best life. So that's, I'm trying to eliminate the fear, eliminate the restrictions, eliminate the, the negative and the, the controlling elements of wellness and just be like, this can empower you and it can make you feel more energized and less anxious and more confident. And it can help you, you know, if you're living your life with stomach pain all the time and we can help you get rid of that. If you're living the life, like looking for the nearest bathroom all the time, that's not your best life, you know? So I think, I think it's all about how we can get you to the place where you feel your best every single day. You, uh, you are speaking to my soul. I've never felt more excited about wellness than in that minute you were talking. <laughs> no, and I've definitely come up. at wellness from like a restrictive mindset. Yeah. I have for sure. Have I think we all have. I think that's like, it's, it's hard not to because that's like, I think dieting and the media's notions of how we should look have become so like entangled with wellness that it's hard to unmesh them, you know? And sometimes if I'm being honest with you, Liz, I do think that like when people talk about wellness, they are talking about dieting. They're just talking about oh, it sure. with like a better branding lens. Um, uh -huh. so can you like kind of describe the difference? Because what you just said to me about like, if your stomach's always hurting you, like you're obviously like not living your best life. I know every time I eat ice cream, <laughs> My stomach freaking hurts me. Like, I know that, but like, I still continue to do that, which I don't know if that makes me like a crazy person or not, but like, how, how do I like kind of let the, 
how do I not restrict myself from like the things that I love, but also like put better ingredients into my body where I'm not always like feeling in pain? Yeah. So I think for that, I would first, like, I also have somewhat of a lactose intolerance. And I also, I think that's like, everybody is like, but cheese. So I think being empowered to know what the decision that you're making is. And I think sometimes you'll make the choice to eat ice cream. So, cause ice cream is like really good. And that's what I mean about satisfying you in different levels. Like, I think as long as you know what level you're satisfying yourself at, you are not satisfying yourself on your gut level. And it's uh, like, not on a intuitive level, but like on your actual physical gut level. Um, so as long as you know that, and you are satisfying yourself enough on your mental or whatever, I, I don't know if you're having like like what pleasures you're getting from your ice cream. And I don't want to, uh, dare to assume what they are, but, um, (laughs) but like, as long as you understand the pleasures you're getting and the consequences of those pleasures, I think that you should feel empowered to make those decisions. And I think that's what like, it's all about. So like, I don't want to be in pain most of the time, but like, and which is why I'll choose ice creams that like, uh, Van Lewin makes the world's best vegan ice cream. Um, and there's also, Oh God. There's a really good company in Seattle that I'm forgetting that also makes like incredible vegan ice cream. But I think it's all about making those choices and to like the dieting and like all that. I think a lot, a big mission I'm on is to show that healthy can look like so many things. I think we've been taught that healthy and thin or a very specific type of body are synonymous. And that's simply not true. Like cellulite has no health implications whatsoever. Like it literally, no doctor would make an assumption, a diagnosis about the state of your health health based on cellulite. Even like BMI is a very, very outdated tool to learn or know anything about somebody's physical health. Physical health looks like so many different things. And that's really, really important to me in the space. I didn't want to show my body on my social media for a really long time because I thought that people would, I'd already like published two cookbooks before I showed my body on my social media. And I thought it would discredit all of the expertise and credibility that I built in the space. If people were like, well, that's not the ideal health body. So why would I want to look like that? Why would I do her recipes? Why would I believe her information? Even though I'm really, really proud of of my credentials. Like I was a journalist for 15 years. I have a lot more expertise to bring to this space than frankly, a lot of people in the space do. Um, but then I realized like that thing I'm telling myself is like the, it's the myth I needed to get rid of in this space. Healthy looks like so many things. And when we try to put healthy in a box, we're just playing into the same marketing that is literally just based on us making us feel like shit about ourselves so we can buy more crap, you know? 100%. I feel like a lot of women too, because obviously we're in like the confidence space. A lot of our audience and followers um, are women with like maybe curvy bodies or bigger bodies. And I think the number one thing is that like a lot of women, if they're maybe, I guess, a little overweight or their doctors are automatically assuming that they're unhealthy or people are automatically assuming they're unhealthy. Or if I post a video in a bathing suit, I get messages like you're promoting obesity and stuff like that. Right. Which is insane. It's insane. It's it's just, it's like, it's also not true. Like if you've, if you're a doctor and you've like run my labs and you can tell me about like my different numbers, cool. You can judge my health, but you, the, health, a healthy body can look like so many things. And like, we talked about this on when I had you guys on my podcast, like when you were size four, you were not your healthiest body. You were actually less healthy than you are now. And I think that that is so important for people to realize is that the concept of what we view as a healthy body is, is literally just like a made up concept in media. Yeah, it is. It's like if you have someone who's like a size two versus a size like 24, you would automatically assume that someone in the larger body is more unhealthy when it's like, we don't know. (laughs) We don't know. And it could be true. It could not be true. But like, again, until you're their doctor and you have run their labs and you know what's actually happening inside their body, you can't make that judgment. You can't make that assumption. And it's also, I mean, I know so many people, I know so many people in the wellness space who have very thin bodies and they are not well, you know? Um, and I think that that, that happens quite often. And, um, and then some people have thin bodies and that is their healthiest body, you know? And I think, 
it happened like different bodies just look different and different healthy bodies just look different. And I think that's so important to realize for me, uh, like I have, I had a girlfriend, I was so mad at her in high or in college. Cause she was one of those people who could just like eat everything. And she was always thin. And I was just like, Oh, I have to like, if I ate anything I wanted, I would be huge. And I was really struggling with disordered eating, like all through college. And later I like, I kind of like she had to learn much later in life. She actually had a health wake up call, um, how to change her diet. And in some ways, like, I think it can be a mixed blessing if treating yourself well or not well shows up on your body in a certain way, because it's just like, it can be a little bit more motivation, I guess, or like earlier on in your life to actually give yourself before you're having the thoughts about like, Oh, I want to have more energy. I want to have better sleep. I want to just feel good really every day. It can be like a little bit earlier of motivation to be like, maybe I should have a green smoothie instead of a bagel for breakfast, you know? Well, I think that's so interesting what you said in, in the fact that we start to pay, sometimes we'll start to pay attention to what we're putting in our body solely when it's about our weight or how we appear and not even necessarily like, what is this that I'm eating bringing to my body? And Christina mentioned that when we were on your podcast as well, when she was talking about feeding her body while she was pregnant. Yeah. So how do you think we get away from like eating to be skinny and eating to be, or, or to not gain weight and eating to actually like nourish our bodies and understand like what we're putting in it and like the, and the, the benefits that it has. Because I think I, I was raised where we didn't really talk about like, okay, we eat this because it's like nutritious or this, like yeah. we were, it was the time where it was like slim fast and hundred calorie packs yeah, and all 100%. that stuff. And I honestly kind of struggle with that where I'm like, I, I'm on this, I want to under better understand the things that I'm putting in my body and why it's good for me or why it might not be good for me. And same, because to be honest with you, I just felt personally attacked when you said the bagel versus the smoothie, <laughs> because I a hundred percent like have recently the other day I had a bagel and I just did not feel good. And I knew it when I went to like, I knew I was making a decision. I was very, very aware that I was making a decision to order that bagel and eat that bagel. And I knew I wasn't going to feel great. I knew like it didn't really have any nutrients, but I still did it. And I kind of regretted it afterwards and not because of like calories or anything like that, because I did have brain fog. It's, and it's, it's with it's, like a rock in your stomach, a bagel. Like I love exactly. bagels so much, but like, yeah, I think it's about that. So first, like a multi-pronged approach, like one, if you want to stop eating to be skinny, I think you have to really ask yourself why you want to be skinny. Like literally follow that train down. Like, why is it so important to me to view food, which is one of the most beautiful, enjoyable parts of being alive, just in the reference of how it's going to show up or look on my body. And I think if you can first start to move past that, like, great, that's the first step. But then too, I think it is really paying attention to, uh, how you feel after you, after you eat stuff. Like I feel so good after I have a green smoothie in the morning. I feel like my whole day just feels a little brighter. I have more energy. I am more productive and paying attention to those things, which I actually think can be more motivating because if you're just thinking about like the size of your thighs, those things change so slowly. Like it's, mm -hmm. if you're, if you're eating, trying to lose weight, it's going to be a while before you see the results of that on your body. But if you did nothing but add vegetables to every single meal of your day, you would feel a difference in that in a number of days. And I think that looking for those little immediate rewards can be really, really, really motivating. So like for me with bagels, I love bagels. I lived in New York for a long time. We had we like the best bagel, bagel place in New York. We love them. <laughs> no. But they really, I remember there was one time we like went to the park and we got bagels at our local bagel shop. And I literally just, it, it, it just felt like I'd swallowed a rock. Like I could feel it in my stomach and I didn't feel good. And I couldn't enjoy hanging out at the park because I had this feeling in my stomach. So being aware of that, was so much more motivating to me next time I was like, Oh, do I want a bagel? Then like this bagel will go straight to my hips or whatever. Cause like, I don't, you know, like that's, it's, it's just was so much more motivating to say, I want to enjoy 
my day at the park. So for me, nothing is off limits, literally nothing, except for I hate, um, you know, I'm, I'm actually quite a picky eater. So I'd say the stuff that I don't <laughs> like is off limits. Um, I think a lot of recipe developers are because we're all like, well, I don't like that. So I'm going to make my own thing. Um, but uh, uh, other than like other than stuff, I like nothing's off limits. It's just being aware every time I eat something of how it's going to make me feel and how I want to feel. And sometimes, like I said, the pleasure of a bagel is going to override the fact that it's going to make me feel like poop. And for some people, the bagel is not going to make them feel like poop at all. You know, it'll make them feel great and then more power to them. But the adding vegetables to every meal is like my favorite thing because I also think that health should be additive. I think that we focus way too much on like, should I eliminate gluten? Should I eliminate dairy? Which does feel like it slips more back into the dieting, like the restricting. I think if people literally did nothing but take every meal, their normal meals, and then add vegetables to it, you would feel so different. And that's what a lot of my recipes are about is like, how can we fit more vegetables into this? And how can we celebrate vegetables for being like the wonderful things that they are? Okay, well, then how can we add vegetables into every meal? Because I do feel like that's something like I'm guilty of doing. And like, I know I should, but sometimes... I don't know why like vegetables feel a little overwhelming. Like even though like you can just add salad greens to the side, right? I guess technically that counts, but um, I don't know. Like how, how do we add vegetable vegetables to every meal? Well, so the salad green things is actually that I think that is like a good hot tip that if you find a dressing you really like, and it could be a homemade one or a store-bought one, but find one that like you love. It could be like um, going to your favorite restaurant where they actually make a salad you love and seeing if you could get for takeout, like a little bit of their salad dressing, but having something that you could always just literally toss on greens and that's delicious. And you're going to enjoy that and putting that on the side of something. I also love roasting frozen vegetables. It's like one of my absolute favorite things to do. You just take frozen veggies and the trick is you roast them on parchment paper with no oil first, like nothing on them. And then all of the water evaporates and then you come back in with your oil. And then I like to do like garlic powder and onion powder and salt and put it back in for five minutes and they'll get like really crispy and delicious. So frozen broccoli, Anytime I have a meal, like we had Annie's mac and cheese the other night and I was like, this could use some broccoli. So I would roast some frozen veggies on the side for that. That's like a really easy win. Um, any pasta mixing frozen veggies are the shit like frozen veggies. You always have them on hand. They're never turning to mush in the back of your fridge and like you can literally just add them to any, and they're also more nutritious often than fresh vegetables. Like I, um, Oh yeah, girl. My jaw uh, is like on the ground right now because I literally am the queen of buying a bag of spinach just for it to rot in my fridge. So this Same. is yeah. This I is think so a lot of people are. Yeah. So frozen vegetables are they're flash frozen at the peak of their ripeness, and which means that they preserve all of those nutrients from that moment on. Whereas any other veggie picked, it's still going to be healthy. There's still so much good stuff in there for you, but it's like losing vitamin C en route to the grocery store. And then while it's sitting on the grocery store shelf, particularly water soluble vitamins like vitamin C tend to be very, they're a little fragile babies. So you want to like do fresh veggies too, especially like if you get to the farmer's market and you get that real fresh pick stuff. But like I had a farmer once tell me that he doesn't even eat broccoli unless it's from his farm and he picked it that day or it's frozen because he thinks otherwise it's kind of just like fiber, um, which I thought was interesting. So big fan of frozen veggies for sure. I think they're amazing. And then also I told you guys I was going to convert you to green smoothies. Smoothies. I'm so excited I about love this. smoothies. I love smoothies so much. I never eat smoothies because for me, I feel like I'm not satiated unless I'm like biting into something. But I am ready and eager to learn and be converted. So give convert us some Christina. smoothie tips. Okay. Well, so one is if you want to bite into something, have your smoothie and then like have, I love to have the bagels that my belly does love is the Dave's killer bread bagels. I love them so much and they make me feel really good. Um, so often if I feel like eating a breakfast, I will have a Dave's killer bread bagel and I'll have a smoothie. I don't think a smoothie is like a meal replacement for me. The way I make my smoothies, they keep me full till lunch. They tend to. Um, so you can have them on your own, but I'm never going to say if you're still hungry or if you want to be eating food, like don't do that as well. Do both. We're adding vegetables. We're not deleting or eliminating 
anything. Second, uh, chew your smoothies. This is like a huge thing. Every time I say this on TikTok ever on Instagram, everybody's like, why do you chew your smoothies? Um, it's because digestion starts in your mouth. So anything you're putting in your mouth that needs to be digested, i.e. not like water, you should be chewing that thing. So you're, when you, when you chew your salivary glands are releasing saliva and there's literally digestive enzymes in your saliva. And also the act of chewing is stimulating the digestive juices in your stomach. And so you're going to digest your food better. You're going to get more nutrients out of it and you're going to feel better after eating. And also like hot tip, if your stomach feels like shit after you eat, if you did nothing but eat in a stress-free environment and chew the shit out of your food, you'd feel so much better. Like you'd feel so, when people are like, oh, like the gluten in Italy is so good. Whenever I go on vacation there, I eat all the pasta. I'm like, girl, like, I said that. <laughs> there's like, the gluten is like, you know, there's, we can have conversations about the pesticides and stuff like that. But by and large, it's because you're not stressed. You're, you're enjoying, you're sitting at the table for a while. You're not like running down the street, shoving pasta in your face. You're like sitting in a nice restaurant in a relaxed environment, being relaxed, literally on a bio, like on a chemical level, it is changing how you are assimilating and wow. digesting your food. I so if you did nothing but that on the 405, I got to tell you, yeah, I got to stop eating and driving on the four. I'm like, Oh, driving to a Same. meeting or at my desk. Like that is it. This that's such a good tip eating in a not stressful environment. Dude. I sometimes it'll I change everything. My food. No, I sometimes think I swallow my food. Like I don't even fucking chew it at all. No, and honestly, real quick, backstory, we were I was just home in New Jersey and we were having like dinner all together, and my sister and her husband were over, and we literally finished eating, and my like mom and like my sister started picking up the plates, and I'm like just chilling there. And my dad was like, Catherine, like Dimitri, her husband is still eating. She's like, oh, he eats so slow. And literally, my entire family is on their food. And Dimitri is like, I don't know. I like to chew my food. And I remember thinking about it, being like, did I just chew? Because I honestly like had to think, like, did you chew? I don't know. Um, it so makes such a huge difference, especially if you're eating. Like, literally, if you're eating something, you're like, my gut's going to be a little unhappy about this. Chew it really well. And that's at least giving you like a little bit of a leg, a leg up. Okay. You know, and you know, sometimes you're going to have to eat on the go and that's cool. But I would say like, again, back to like food is one of the greatest pleasures in our life. And why are we trying to cram it into these little moments in time instead of when we could just like be enjoying it? Totally. And you know, if you're eating on the 405, girl, you're in traffic anyway. So you can <laughs> slow down that bite. Um, okay. So we have to chew our smoothies, but what are in our smoothies? What should we put in, put in them? Yeah. So, um, the basic formula I have is you want to do like a lot of greens. So I do spinach, I do mixed greens. You want to mix up your greens because all greens have nutrients and anti-nutrients in them. So like when you hear about people getting kidney stones from eating too much spinach, it's if they just rotated that regularly, that would have eliminated that. So mixed greens are a really great way to do it. Cause they kind of like do it for you. You know, um, you got a You got a nice mix in there. So you got your greens and then I always do some frozen fruit. Um, I don't use ice in my smoothies. I don't like to have anything that's like too cold. I also think that can be a little bit of a shock to your gut and contribute to that not good gut feeling. So the only thing that makes them a little cold is some frozen fruit. Uh, always a fat people who are hungry after they eat a smoothie, it's usually because they haven't had enough protein or they haven't had enough fat in their smoothie. Fat is critical, first of all, because the vitamins in the greens and the vegetables, in most vegetables, you have fat-soluble vitamins. And if you don't eat those vegetables with fat, you're not actually absorbing those vitamins. So greens have a huge amount of fat-soluble vitamins and you really want to make sure you're consuming them with fat. But also fat is huge for, it just, it keeps you satiated. Um, and protein does the same. So always some type of fat like avocado, hemp hearts, chia seeds, uh, nuts and seeds. Like I had pumpkin seeds in my smoothie today because I am on my period and they have a lot of magnesium, which is really helpful with cramps. Um, and, uh, then I do, I like to do cacao a lot, uh, cause it tastes like chocolate and, um, I love using spices. I think spices are the original superfoods. I always say that. So I think we often are like, oh, I'm going to go spend a bunch of money on all these like fancy, crazy powders. And 
I don't do that at all with my smoothies. I'm like cinnamon has been used in traditional cultures for thousands of years for its therapeutic properties. And I already have it in my spice cabinet and it's going to make my smoothie taste really good too. So cinnamon, cardamom, turmeric, ginger, love those. And then a pinch of salt. And then I also always blend it with water, not with milk because you can put stuff in it that'll make it creamy. Like again, those hemp hearts um, are going to basically turn into hemp milk when you blend them. And I don't like wasting a nut milk, which tends to be really, really expensive. So I'll just blend it up with some water. Okay. There's one thing that I didn't hear you include in there and that's protein. So for me, like, oh no, you said protein. Oh, like do you put like a protein powder? So I'll mix it up. Hemp hearts are a complete protein. So those are one of my favorite things for people who don't like the taste of protein powder. Cause it just tastes like creamy and good pumpkin seeds are also a really good form of protein. Um, but I'll use a protein powder. I like the new zest one. I like the four sigmatic one. I like grass fed collagen. I like the garden of life one. I think it's really well sourced. Um, if you're looking for a collagen, like check into the sourcing because it's, it bones accumulate a lot of toxins. And so you want to really make sure your collagen is well sourced, but yeah, always a protein. If you're not staying full to lunch, again, it's the fat and the protein. So okay. always include that. I just think most protein powders taste like ass. Is it <laughs> kind of, <laughs> is it too much? If I put like a protein powder in and a collagen, should I do one or the other? I consider collagen a protein. Collagen so protein. I think, okay. Yeah, it's it's not a complete protein, but you also don't need to get a complete protein at every meal because you're getting different types of protein throughout your day and that sort of builds on itself. Um, but yeah, I think collagen is a great one for people who don't like the taste of protein because you can't taste it like your grains. I think rotating your protein powders is good. So little variety. I like to view my smoothies. So I, I like to like really change up the flavors and have fun with it. I view smoothie flavors like pie. So like anything that would taste good in a pie, you can like taste that like a blueberry cardamom you're like oh that'd be a good pie so like that'd be a good smoothie you know yeah and all of your i've got to say the the smoothie recipes are on your instagram tiktok i actually think i found you because your peanut butter cup one came up on my for you page and i kid you not i made that smoothie every single day for like a month straight really i, would, I need oh, to try it so it's really good. good. Okay. So good. It's good. And so like, that's the thing is that you find flavors that work for you. You have a few go-tos. Like I make my chocolate cherry cardamom one probably four times that. a week because I also think that like, it's good to switch it up. It's good to have things getting you excited, but it's also good to like not be expending all your decision fatigue before 9am, you know, like to kind of have some go-tos and go to them. But I, I just, it's, I always say it, you're eating more vegetables before nine or 10 in the morning than most people eat in an entire day. And one, you get to feel better than everybody else. And I think that's really important. And then two, I think you guys like, I wasn't being serious. That's a joke. I was like, I wonder what it feels like to eat them. <laughs> You feel better than everybody. You guys are like, like, yeah, I do yeah. want to feel better than no, everybody. Wait, no, I was like, do. that sounds amazing. <laughs> I was like, no, you want to. I mean, I the feeling of superiority <laughs> isn't isn't bad, but also it's super fast and easy. It literally takes like less time. <laughs> no, no, you, okay, you need you, know, you need to do that TikTok trend that's like I. Um, oh my gosh! I'm gonna send it. Yeah, because that is. Am I just better than yes. every? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I should do that. I have like a list of favorited TikToks where I like want to do my take on the trend, but every day I wake up and I'm like, do I want to do that today? No. Nah. Um, anyway, <laughs> someday I'll continue. do them all. <laughs> but also, it takes five minutes. I think a lot of the reasons people don't eat healthy breakfast is because it it's time consuming to like make a healthy breakfast. And this is so fast. The cleanup is super fast. Just put water and soap in your blender, blend it up. You're good to go. Um, or I mean, then you rinse it, which I often forget to do. And then my husband has to like clean the whole thing later, <laughs> but like in theory, that's very fast and easy. And it makes you feel really, really good. I think some people often I'm doing like a green smoothie challenge right now. And everybody's like, Oh, can I have my green smoothies in the evening? Or in the morning, I'm like you can have them any time of day. Although, you know, if you're putting cacao and be careful at night, because that's mildly stimulating. Mm -hmm. But having it first thing in the day, like kicking your day off with something that makes you feel good, I really believe has a like a ripple effect down the day because you're gonna make different choices knowing how good you felt. Like I know the days that I start with like a croissant, I 
just, I don't feel as good right away. I have that sort of blood sugar spike and crash, but then at lunch, I'm kind of like, well, I'll have some fries. Like, it's just, it's interesting. It's not even, and I don't even subscribe to like the, oh, my diet's ruined. So I might as well eat everything today. It's not even that. It's just like, you're not, you don't feel as good. And when you don't feel as good, you're not as inspired to make other choices that make you feel really good. You know? So I think kicking it off that way has this chain reaction for your whole day where you're like, I already treated myself in the way that I deserve to be treated. So why would I stop that now? Like, why wouldn't I do the workout? Why wouldn't I meditate? Why wouldn't I say kind words to myself in the mirror? And I think because you're doing it first thing in the morning, it's like the first kind thing you can do for yourself, which can make you kind to yourself all day. 100%. But can I tell you something real quick? And I need your advice for this because <laughs> this morning I was getting dressed and I like caught a glimpse of myself in the mirror. I was like, girl, you look hot. <laughs> like I felt good. I was like, oh, my body looks good. I felt amazing. And then I had some breakfast and I was putting on clothes. I was like, what the heck happened? Like I felt so bloated immediately. And I feel mm. like bloat is something that like happened. I mean, it affects everyone, um, but it makes me, it doesn't make me feel good about myself. Um, and do you have any tips just really quickly for women who are struggling with food that makes them blow and how they can avoid that. Um, because it happens to me, like, I feel like I just brushed my teeth and all of a sudden I was bloated and I don't even understand like what happened. Yeah. Well, so bloating can be a number of different things. I think I would be remiss to not start off by saying I'm not a doctor. And if you actually feel like you're having something in a, in a real serious way to cons consult with a gastroenterologist, I think that'd be really helpful Two, I think it's also really important to know that, um, food has volume. And when you put something with volume into your stomach, your stomach will have more volume. And that's like normal. That's, that's just how your stomach functions. So that's like why we all wake up and your stomach is definitely flatter than when you put food into it, or even when you fill it with liquid, like water, but that's just anatomy. And I think we need to be way more okay with that and way less kind of chasing this flat belly state that isn't even anatomically ideal or possible, you know, for so many of us. So just noting that that is fine. And then if you're having bloat, that's like uncomfortable, um, there's a few things you can do. I think chewing your food, honestly, like not to be annoying about it, but like, that's going to make the biggest difference <laughs> in your bloat. It's when you're bloated, you're kind of like your, your stomach's doing more work to digest what's in there. And if you're doing the work for it before it gets, this is a huge simplification, but if you're doing the work for it via your teeth and your salivary glands, before it gets in your stomach, you're so it's not just sitting there like a rock while your stomach, your digestive acids are like churning and they're like, we can do this. Like you're kind of helping it with that along the way. So I'd say that is probably incredibly huge. And then, you know, I'm not a against when I feel really kind of icky in my stomach, I'll do like some apple cider vinegar gummies or a shot of apple cider vinegar. And, um, I like to do like like a hot cider where you do like a cold water half the way in the mug, some apple cider vinegar, and then hot water after that. So it's like a perfect drinking temperature and you're not uh, getting rid of any of the probiotics in the apple cider vinegar by using boiling water. And then a little bit of cinnamon, a little bit of honey. It tastes like hot apple cider. It's so good. And that is like kind of my in a pinch. Also, if you're bloaty in like a gassy way, if you take a towel, fold it in half and then roll it up and then lay on your stomach on the ground and roll the towel up and down your belly. You, you'll fart a lot and uh, you'll instantly feel, <laughs> you'll feel so much better. It's so good too. Cause like you always have a towel at a hotel. And I find when I travel is often when I feel the worst in my stomach um, or unless I'm in Italy and stress-free and like living my best life. Um, but like <laughs> when you're eating out for so many meals and you can always do it and it makes you feel so much better because it's just kind of like pushing those gases through your, through your system. I love those tips. Thank you so much. And I do think it is really important to say that like just putting food in your body and seeing those changes is totally okay. Um, and also that's such a good tip with the rolling and the towel because with Nicholas, my baby, when a baby's stomach is hurting them, you lay them on their stomach and you kind of like move them. And it's just so funny. I've like never thought about that for Doing myself. Well, and you know, have you done the baby like bicycle position to get their gas out yes. where you like kind of bicycle their legs? You I, can do that to yourself too. Like you, you might've noticed sometimes. 
Dude, I, well, and it's I'm it's gonna, like because that's a position, that's a sex position, you know, like that's a position one might find themselves in during sex. Like sometimes mm-hmm. that's like can make you fart during sex because your legs are like. <laughs> yes. Wait, I love how you like that. So like, have Steve <laughs> dodge the, the gas out of me. I think that'd be really Didn't you watch a baby come out of your vagina? Like I he, feel like there's no secrets yeah, at this point. You're yeah, absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. He did. Oh my god! And he probably watched poop come out too. I feel like from what I've I've heard about. Do you know if you pooped? I did not poop. I, I was very <laughs> concerned about that. To be honest with you, that was honestly probably the thing I was most scared about. Not pushing a baby out of your vagina. That did not scare me as much as. Um, I love I think it's so funny how many women are terrified of that but they're like completely fine with like having a doctor like elbow deep in their vagina and like five heads down there being like oh you know but like they're like no poop no poop poop. Uh the amount of people who saw my vagina and just felt comfortable touching it and touching my breasts (laughs) and you're just all of a sudden okay with that you're right it's like so so crazy oh my god well Liz okay I seriously love just how you talk about wellness like honestly I'm like so fired up and like I think why I love it is it's all about having like a big, beautiful life. And I, I'm just like, yes, Same. like I've, I haven't been this excited about it in a long time. Uh, but one thing I want to ask before we wrap up is I saw recently on your Instagram that you are being, I think this is the right word, an intentional drinker. Yes. You're drinking less. When I say intentional yes. drinking, I'm not like she's drinking more. She's drinking less. And I'm, <laughs> I'm intentionally drinking more. No, so yes. I, because it was so funny, I was just talking to one of my best friends, Hannah, about how drinking, it's like so fun in the moment. And I, but I get really bad anxiety after I drink the next day, whether it's about something I said or did, or I just feel like shit, but there's literally like hormonal physiological stuff too. That's making you have really bad anxiety. So it's like not just happening in your brain. It's happening like biologically, physiologically, your, your hormones, like, yeah, you're, it's, I mean, first of all, alcohol is a depressant, but it's just like fucking with all of your dopamine and your serotonin in a way that like you literally just will feel anxious the next day. Even if you're, even if you had the most perfect night, you said everything right, blah, 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 you know? Well, I didn't know that. That makes me feel better. Because <laughs> I'm like, what is wrong with me? I used to be able to go out and just be like, woo, I'm living life. And now the next day I'm like, what did I say? What did I do? What I, like, it's, I'm like, is it even worth it? And I feel like I've had, I've seen more people, especially women talk about how they're just like not really drinking, but we have a society where drinking, it's like, if I was at a party and someone was like, Rand, do you want to do cocaine? And I'm like, no, I'm good. They'd be like, okay. But if it's like, do you, you're, oh, you're not drinking? Why? Right. Like we're obsessed with it. And I just, I, I would love to hear kind of like your, your take on it as someone who's been like, I'm intentionally drinking less and how that's been for you. Um, and like why you decided to make that decision. Well, I think the reason that a lot of us do drink is, is because, I mean, it's funny that this is like what your guys podcast about, but it's, it's about confidence. It's about not feeling like you're going to have fun or be fun unless you have this extra, like disinhibitory factor. And I think that a huge part of people, if they're trying to drink a little bit more intentionally, like to be clear, I still do drink. My thing was that I was drinking without a reason for drinking. And I was feeling bad more often than not Mm -hmm. because of my drinking. Like I just didn't feel my best. And I realized that I would wake up and have more energy and just feel my sleep has gotten so much better since I cut down on my drinking. And so I'm not going to be a person who's ever going to like restrict completely. That's just not my personality, but I wanted to have drinking always be a choice. So one, I think the most critical thing is realizing that you are fun. You are interesting. You are cool. And it's not like the wine making you those things. Like the wine is letting you perhaps let that stuff out, but that is in you. You're just using the wine as an excuse to be all of those things. So I think the second that you can be like, I'm going to have a great night. I'm going to dance. I'm going to flirt. I'm going to have fun with my friends. That was always in me. I didn't need this thing to bring it out. I think that's a really, really empowering thought. I think too, if you're drinking, which is, this is what I was doing. And I really started doing during the pandemic. If you like are having 
a bad day or you're stressed or you're using it as a band-aid for something, I think trying to get to the root of why you're feeling the way you're feeling and address that instead of drinking, which is, it might make you feel momentarily like a little bit less stressed, but then worse the next day when you're going back to the life that's making you have the stressful feelings. And then you're also in that life with, you know, a hangover, which is making that life harder. So I think using it as a way to identify things that are making you feel shitty and then doing what you can. Like maybe it's changing your friend group. Maybe it's having a hard conversation with your partner. Maybe it's having a hard conversation with your boss. Maybe it's setting better boundaries around time for you and self-care. Maybe it's asking yourself what really brings you pleasure and what you really enjoy and trying to infuse your life with more of those things that matter to you versus maybe things that other people are telling you feel, feel good to you. Um, so I think using it almost as like a diagnostic tool has been really, really helpful for me. And so in the times that I want to drink, I'm like, why do I want to drink? What am I hoping to get out of this? And sometimes I'm just like, I just want to drink. I want to enjoy the taste of a really good cocktail. I want to try out um, a yummy wine. I want to have that social dynamic of sharing food or beverage with friends. And then I will drink. But I think being intentional is asking yourself the, the why and making sure the why feels good to you. I love all those reasonings. And I, I think I'm guilty of that too. Um, you have such an amazing quest for life. And I love that you and your husband live a nomadic lifestyle. Like that is just the, the coolest thing ever. Um, something that my husband and I struggle a lot about is like, I always want to be on the go. I always want to travel. I always want to do things. Um, and he likes traveling and doing things too, but he's definitely a little bit more of a creature of habit. He likes mm -hmm. like you know, he's like very, very healthy. He loves going to the gym. He likes being able to like cook his meals and do this and that. How do I convince him that he can be healthy on the go? Ooh, um, I mean, I think it's about how you're on the go. So like in our life, we're, we're doing a lot of like outdoor exciting things all the time. Um, so when we're here in, we're in Colorado right now in our nomad life. So we're hiking, we're rafting apparently um <laughs> where like zach goes rock climbing and stuff like that so i think i don't know how adventurous your husband is but like using his desire to move his body as an exciting way to explore different cultures i have friends that are like love to go to different places and bike um mm. and stuff like that so like using that as a way to do that also i think that if you can take little elements of your routine when you're traveling so like our nomad life is obviously more extreme, but I still, I start every day with a green smoothie. We, um, travel with like our bedding and just little things that feel healthy to me. And if I'm traveling, like if I'm on an actual vacation, I'm like, what was that like? Um, but <laughs> back when I did do that, I always started the day with meditating no matter where I was. Um, if I couldn't make a green smoothie, I had green powder or I would go find like a green smoothie or sometimes I would even uh, just like go buy salad from a store, put it in my hotel fridge and like start the day with greens. And that way made me feel really good. So I think it's about picking those few little linchpins of your routine, and then you can stick on stick to them and then they can make everything else feel better. Also, I would challenge you to, or challenge him to think about it in that desert Island way, which is like real health is resilient. Real health is feeling good enough to live your best life. So the, if he's needing to go to the gym or needing to eat a certain way, and that's getting in the way of him having these adventures with you, I would ask himself like what that's for, you know, like what are those routines for in the first place, if not to enable the adventures with his beautiful partner, you know, yeah, that said, right. some people mm. like to, um, you know, like not deviate from, you know, I, there's people like hard the for me to tap into the homebody mentality. Cause I'm not that at all. I'm like very, wanderlusty, but I, I, I know that people do feel that way. So I think there's room for like compromise and all of it, but I would say like, dude, you're doing all this stuff that you can, so you can like go have these fun adventures with me. So like, let's do it. No, I think that's actually really smart. And I need to say that, but I do think that was a really good tip because you're right. If I were to like just bring a thing, a protein powder for him, then he could have his protein shake in the morning and then he won't 
be annoying about but Christina, it. <laughs> I haven't had my protein. Like, you know what I mean? At least you'll have like somewhat of his routine still there. Um, Honestly, I love to like occasionally I'll do breakfast out when I'm traveling. If there's like a really good restaurant I want to try out, but I love doing breakfast and sometimes even lunch in my hotel or wherever I'm staying because dinner is usually like the exciting, culturally stimulating meal of the day. And if you, you can like have a healthy breakfast and feel, you feel so much better having a breakfast and lunch without the weird oils and all of that. And then you have your like fun, crazy dinner. And also like, I feel like when you're traveling and you're doing the three meal a day thing out, even if you like, I love Zach so much, but when I'm sitting across from him for like an hour waiting the waiter for the waiter to like deliver our breakfast and then our lunch and then our dinner, I'm like, I don't know what to talk to you about anymore. Like, that's like a lot of like, it's it's like a social anxiety moment. I feel like to like have to dine out with somebody that much. So I think just eating breakfast at home, like a good yummy at an Airbnb or in your hotel room, uh, is a, is a great like vacation hack in general. Yeah. It's also way cheaper because like you're totally. the, the money spent at breakfast lunch is like never worth it. No, you're the dinner so is right. where it's at. Um, dinner is where it's at. Okay. Last question for you. So obviously your podcast is the bomb.com. It's so fucking good. And you have interviewed some of like the most incredible people. Insane. Has there like you guys? Oh, we're honored. <laughs> I was thinking more like Glenn. I was like Glenn and Doyle. I'm like, oh my gosh, we are. Sam, Sam. Oh my gosh. But out of all your guests, has there been like a lesson that has like totally changed your life or something that you've learned that you've incorporated into your daily life? I think I've learned like little, th- I only want to have people on that I'm learning from. Um, and so I think I'm like, I, if there was a big overall lesson, it's that you should be curious and that we can learn from anybody at any moment. I think that that's one of the things that makes life so beautiful and exciting is that you can, and it's honestly why I started my podcast. I was like having these fascinating conversations with like people. I was, when I was working in my green, like on the way to a shoot, we'd be like in the car and talking for an hour. And I'd be like, Oh my gosh, I didn't know this was your story. So I think being open to the fact that everybody has these really interesting, you know, when you like go to a party and you're talking to somebody and you realize you've asked them like 45 questions about themselves and they haven't asked you anything about you. Yeah. And I think every day I've gone on ever. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a frustrating experience. It it doesn't like one people like uh, talking about themselves. And I think anybody who realizes that will be more likable in the world. So asking other people about their lives, but also approaching other people with genuine curiosity, because everybody has these crazy, interesting stories, things that they've learned and, and approaching them with a a receptiveness to that, I think is honestly game changing and can make you feel so much happier and so much better. But beyond that, like I learned my chewing stuff from when I interviewed a a gut health doctor um, from Glennon. I think it was just a lot about like, treating yourself really kindly, but powerfully like that. Sometimes the kindest thing you can do to yourself is to curl up on a couch and give yourself a me day. But sometimes the kindest thing you can do to yourself is to say to yourself, like, you don't need a me day. You need to like go out and take control of your life. And I think that's really important as well. And, and really tapping into your gut and listening to your, your knowing as she likes to talk about, um, a friendship episode I did, uh, there was the friendship coach that I interviewed. Um, she said that like one of the biggest mistakes we make in friendship is to let go of relationships too quickly because we don't want to have that moment where we actually tell the other person what we're thinking. So instead of just literally having one hard conversation where you're like, when you say this type of thing, it makes me feel this way. We let the relationship go completely. And I've used that in my life where I have those hard conversations with my friends now and it's so much better. Like I end up with stronger, deeper, more powerful friendships and I'm not losing a friend to do that. I think not giving up on friends and kind of showing them what you need and how you need it is really powerful too. But yeah, lots of things. I love all of that. Um, Okay. So where can everyone listen to your podcast and where can they stalk you on social media? Yeah. So I'm a four words. I'm healthier together. And Liz Moody, my podcast is healthier together. My cookbook is healthier together. Uh, and then Liz Moody is my website where you can find 
all sorts of healthy recipes. I have a green smoothie guide uh, if anybody wants to get their green smoothie game on. Um, and then my Instagram is Liz Moody and my TikTok is Liz Moody as well. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for giving us your time. This was so such a valuable conversation and I'm like whoo hyped up on wellness <laughs> are you guys gonna have green smoothies yes morning? yes I am 100% <laughs> I'm placing my whole foods order now no I need to buy a new okay, mix good, immediately good. <laughs> okay yeah I'm giving it away on my on my site right now if you do my challenge so I know maybe we actually gonna... need to oh, do really? a challenge we should do yeah, it we, we should, should do, do the challenge guys okay, and send me your picks so I can cheer you on okay we're oh, doing okay. it I love that thank you so much for inspiring <laughs> us and we hope yeah. you have an amazing day Thank you, Liz. Thanks for having me, guys. It's so fun. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes on our website, theconfidentcollective.com and find us on Instagram at Confident Collective. And if you really loved what you heard, screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it in your stories. And don't forget to tag us.